0: Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota trucks. Visit Toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places.
1: Before we get started today, I want to tell you about Hassle Cattle Company, you know this place, Hassle Free Meats. We brought you damn good beer, now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table wagyu. Did I say this right, Eric? Wagyu beef in all of the country. Hassle Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. You know I love these family-owned companies. They ship all over the U.S., they call their beef blue-collar Wagyu because it's delicious, it's incredible, but it's also for the everyday person, the everyman. It's affordable. New York Strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank, smoked sausage, two jerky flavors, original sweet and spicy. Their hamburgers one Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. They got it all, guys. So check them out. Hassel Cattle Company, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. And when you go there, use promo code DNVR10 for 10% off of your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off your order. You order online, they've got these boxes um they'll, they'll it'll ship to you like a package of steaks or whatever you try them out you save money you don't have to go to the grocery store it's a great deal hassle cattle company guys what is up everybody and welcome into the DNBR nuggets podcast tuesday edition notebook edition I'm your host, Adam Matiz, flying solo today. The rest of us, the rest of the DNVR crew, will be back tomorrow, hopefully in the Winner's Lounge, post-game show for the Denver Nuggets as they take on the Brooklyn Nets. But today's show, the first two segments I want to spend... Talking, going through the notebook, the details of uh, Sunday's game, a win over the Knicks, what I thought was the best win and the most encouraging win. And I got to be honest, as I went through it a second time, I actually thought there was more encouraging th- things that came out of it than what I thought live. You know, sometimes you get a win, especially a team like the Knicks, who aren't, even though they've gotten off to a hot start, I don't think that they're a great team. And sometimes when you go back into the film and into the footage and you watch, you think, okay, well, all right, that was just a bad team they were playing against. What I actually saw the second time through was a Nuggets team that I think looks a lot closer to what they are going to be for the next couple of weeks and hopefully for the rest of the season than, um, you know, a team that maybe just got lucky or going up against a bad team or what have you. So to me, it looked like a team that had real signs of progress and real signs of, um, you know, reasons for you to get excited about. In the final segment, I am going to take a look at some of the numbers, statistical numbers now that we're 10 games through, some trends with the Nuggets, and just kind of talk about what I think they mean. But let's dive right in. If you're new to the show, notebook episodes, I always just go in chronological order of my notes. And of course, if you want the companion piece to this podcast, become a DNVR member, and you can check out the list where I have video examples of a lot of things I'm talking about in here. That's already up, by the way. I put that one up Sunday, or actually uh, Monday morning. As always, today's episode of the show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. You can download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you do. So the first one, Jokic, when he goes up against a big like Mitchell Robinson, like Rudy Gobert, and I suspect like Jared Allen and tomorrow night against the Brooklyn Nets, uh, DeAndre Jordan as well, bigs that like to hang out in the paint and rim protect – Jokic often will shoot threes early in those games as a sort of like, hey, let's set the table. If you knock down one or two of those early in the first quarter, you know, it changes the way that the defense guards you a little bit. And Jokic this season shooting over 40% from the three-point line. So he's already, you know, starting to hit. Of course, in the playoffs, he always, two years in a row now, he's been 40% or better. So he has the reputation of it. But if you're going up against Jokic, especially with this Denver Nuggets team, and you feel like you have to pick your poison because Jokic is getting pretty much whatever he wants, the poison you're going to pick nine times out of ten is three-point shot. At least in the first quarter, you're going to say, well, let's see if he hits him." And Jokic, I think, in these games knows that, and so he comes out gunning, and he took a three early, um, knocked it down, and I I just think that those are the types of things that those are little little games within a game that Jokic um, sort of understands and sets the table for. Millsap is not getting calls on his drives right now. And I think one of the reasons for that is it, it actually is a, provides an opportunity to talk about Nikola Jokic. I think that M- Millsap is not getting the f- free throw calls uh, because he's just too slow. So much of drawing fouls is about foot speed, athleticism, you know, the first guy. And I'm not saying it's supposed to be. I'm just saying how it's officiated. So often players get the whistle when they are, the, the quicker of the two players the offense defensive player and right now Millsap just doesn't have a I mean his first step has taken even a step backwards from what it was last year and if you look at his free free throw rate which is free you know the measures the uh how frequently he gets to the foul line he's at a career uh near career low he actually had one season all the way back in 2011-12 where he actually shot less but, but prior to that you look at the last five seasons, basically since his last season in Atlanta to now it's a steady decline. Um, and this year basically matched with last year, but, um, just a little bit lower. So, I, to me, it it's, it matches the eye test in that I don't think that Denver can count on him. In fact, they they haven't for the last year and a half really gone to him in isolation or post up a whole lot. They still give those token possessions, and I'm curious to see us as the years go. If as the year goes on, if they reduce that even further and just never call his name for one on one scoring, other than maybe when there's a mismatch. But right now, there's been a couple times, especially early in games, where they'll be like, "Hey, we're calling the Millsap action now. Let's get him on the low block or on the elbow." And have him attack his man one-on-one if he's going up against the guy like the opposite power forward i just don't i i no longer think that's a great mismatch that's not to say paul milsep doesn't have a lot of value it's just that denver first of all denver is scoring the basketball especially that starting lineup they're scoring at such an efficient rate i just don't know you, you don't even need to worry about his offense and i think he understands that so probably going to start to feed him less and less even as time goes on The Nuggets went zone in this one. Of course, everybody, you know, that was one of the big talking points. We talked about it on yesterday's show. So I'm curious to find out, and I think the only way we find out is through time. I'm curious if the Nuggets went zone because the Knicks can't shoot and they're young and they didn't have any vets on the court and Denver had their starting lineup, which is, you know, basically all vets now. It's funny. I don't know if you think of the Denver Nuggets starting lineup as a veteran lineup. Millsap, of course. Will Barton, he's been in this league a while. Gary Harris, just as long as as Barton. Then you just get to Jokic and Murray, and it's like, I don't know that most people would consider them quote-unquote vets, but they are. They have more playoff experience than you know 80% of the league. They've started for several years in a row, so to me, they're vets, and so you have an experienced veteran team against an inexperienced, relatively young team with no shooters. Absolutely perfect combo to try out the zone. I don't think Denver's going to try that tomorrow against Brooklyn, who has a lot of very good three-point shooters, um, but it was still nonetheless a cool wrinkle, and I think when we look at this three-game road trip, Denver is now 2-0 and on the trip. They have a chance to go 2-1 and or 3-0. and And whatever it is that they go, I think you can point at least a little bit to that zone because one thing zone does is it allows you to not have to run around the court nearly as much. It's easier on your body to play zone. So the fact that Denver had their starters playing 30 minutes or less back-to-back games and got a little zone mixed in there, I think that those are all great, great things. I love, and I put this on Twitter, and this was part of the list, and this is one of the main points of of today's episode. I really, really love the Jokic Jamichael Green combo. They've only played 49 minutes so far this season, but they have a 35.3 net rating. They've outscored their opponents by 30 total points when they've been on the court together in those 49 minutes, and that's monster. Now, it's a small sample size to be sure. I think it's it's fewer than 100 possessions by a little bit. I think it's 90 possessions. So it's not that many possessions. Usually, you wouldn't draw too many conclusions until you get several hundred um, you know, minutes. Denver could get outscored tomorrow with those guys on the court by 10, 15 points. It's going to cut that net rating in half, but... Nonetheless, this is an example of where the skill set and the eye test absolutely match up with um, the numbers here. In that, JaMichael Green is one of my favorite types of players for playing alongside Jokic. Number one, defensively, he's solid. He knows how to make rotations. I had this clip that I put up on the uh, on the list, and I actually didn't mention it enough in the um, when I'm talking about. The the possession, but there was a great possession where Jermichael Green and Monte Morris do what's called an X out on on the backside. So they rotate to stop dribble penetration. Monte Morris, once the ball gets stopped and kicked out, Monte Morris sprints out to the quarter, which was Jermichael Green's guy, and Jermichael Green sprints out to the wing, which was Monte Morris's guy. And not that those plays are, are complex, they're not. But it is the example, and you watch the way that they're on a string, it does show you that they're both capable of being one step ahead or, or reacting in real time to really fast decision making. And this is one of the things, by the way, that's really plaguing Michael Porter Jr. And some of that with Michael Porter is experience, but some of it is also how quickly can a player analyze things that are happening in real time? Some players just have a natural sort of ability to do that, or at least at this stage, you know, it's an inherent ability to do that. And some players don't. But Jermichael Green is absolutely a guy that does, so he fits nicely defensively on a guy that can execute a scheme. And I've always said with Jokic, if you have guys that are able to execute a scheme, you know that's half the battle. Jokic can't make up for other people's mistakes because to do that, you have to be a rim deterrent, meaning guys are afraid to attack you. Well, nobody's afraid to attack Jokic. For as good as he is, even on the defensive end, nobody fears him, so they always try him. Every year, he's one of the guys that gets tried the most. So he's going to get tried if you make mistakes, but if you have guys that don't make mistakes, Jokic is also not going to make mistakes, and he's going to force teams into slightly more difficult shots and this or that, and Jermichael Green qualifies for that. If you go to the other end of the court, And there was a great article on The Athletic today by Eric uh, Nem, who covers the Milwaukee Bucks, talking about how the Bucks have really put an emphasis on the dunker spot this year. They have been a five-out team. You know, obviously Giannis has the ball in his hands, and they surrounded him with four shooters on the perimeter. Um, But now, even having four shooters on the court at almost all times – around him they still are looking to put more people in the dunker spot and they talked about the reasons Mike budenholzer um you know believes in that well guess what the bucks have the number one offense in the NBA Denver by the way number two offense in the NBA we'll talk about that here in a little bit but adding that dunker spot really stretches the court in a way that even guys on the perimeter I know it, it, it's Everyone thinks about spacing the court. If you have four shooters outside, well, the paint's wide open. Well, it doesn't always work that way. I mean, it does. Well, first of all, it, it does work that way. It's great to have four people around if they can all shoot. But it is easier to close out on the perimeter if you have guys standing side by side with each other or near each other. And when you have a four out offense, even if guys are spaced, say between wing and corner, you still can get guys scrambling on the backside of a team that really scrambles well. You can get them covering a little bit of that space. What the what I like about the dunker spot is it it places that gravity along the baseline where whoever's guarding the dunker spot has to step up and stop the ball and then the dunker spots open for the drop-off or the offensive rebound or what have you. Well Jermichael Green is an example of a guy that's able to float back and forth between the two. A la Jeremy Grant. And I think Jermichael Green might be a little bit more just tougher inside. I mean one of my complaints about Jeremy Grant last year was that, you know, he plays with finesse So often around the rim, he's the most athletic guy on the court most of the time, but he doesn't always seem like it because he's just not willing to go through contact to Green seems a lot more willing to kind of crash in he's much less athletic vertically, but he's he's much more willing to kind of go through contact or bully guys in there so his ability to play the dunker spot or space out to the corner or kind of play both just Read the court and and adjust as it as it's supposed to be. I think he's great at that. Obviously, he's the best three point shooter statistically on the team right now. He's taking four and a half threes and he's shooting over fifty percent. That might surprise people. Um, I don't think those numbers will hold, but that just goes to show that he is a reliable set three point shooter and the Nuggets are finding him open. But the number one thing I like about him, alongside Jokic, and this is a thing I don't I can never tell about a player from watching one game or two games. You have to watch several. In order to really grasp it is that he is very good at reading the court and just knowing how to stay out of the way and accepting that role you know he's a low usage role player and he accepts being that and as a result there was a great example and I put this up on uh on the list the other day I think I called it the ball is popping where Denver's running an action it doesn't really get anything but every player on the court is making quick decisions to Green Monte Morris Um, Jamal Murray, I believe Jermichael Green I I can't remember exactly who it was but it was basically starters with I believe Monte Morris and Jermichael Green and for Barton and Millsap and the ball's just moving like nobody's sitting and holding it and surveying the court they're just trying to get movement and so often it's not about like making the perfect play it's about making the safe plays you know as quickly as possible and then allowing your best players Jokic and Murray to make the complicated plays and when everybody sort of buys into that and the ball is moving you get great play uh you know you get great possessions you ultimately wear the defense out and you find the ball in favorable spots well that's exactly what happened and again I didn't mention this on the list so if you at already saw the list, you might want to go back and watch this play again because you're going to notice Jemichael Green. They run the play. There's there's a scripted portion of this possession. They run that. It doesn't really bear any fruit. And Jokic then goes... To clear out the side, and Jamichael Green, without anything being said, just realizes where the floor balance is, cuts, drags his man through, and then allows Jokic to dribble from the left, uh, yeah, the left elbow over to the right block. And in doing so, he arrives on the right block in a one-on-one situation. Now, if Jokic would have just been standing on the right block, the defense would have been able to help, and all this stuff would have happened. But because Jamichael Green and everybody else on the court is reading things in very, very quick order, they cleared out, and there's confusion about are we supposed to help. where does the help come from denver perfectly spaces the court and Jokic just bullies his guy so i think jemichael green is one of those players that not all of his plays are going to wind up in the box score but he knows how to read the court and Jokic knows how to read players who know how to read the court and i absolutely love that about him take our first break here to tell you about breckenridge brewery the official brewery of dnvr remember supporting our partners is supporting us during this crazy time and right now you can get all of your Favorite Breck Brews, uh, Bronco's Country Beer, Palisade Peach, a personal fave, Avalanche Beer, Avalanche Amber, which we have at the bar right now up in the DNVR Lounge, Colorado Core, Hot Peak IPA, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Juniors, and a whole host of other ones. You can get them at King Supers, you can get them at Costco, you can get them at basically any liquor store here in the Denver metro area. And if you're out of the Denver metro area, don't forget about the Breck Brew Locator. There's a Breck Brew, just Google the Breck Brew Locator, type in your zip code or area code and they will tell you exactly where the closest restaurants bars or uh liquor stores that have it for you and you can try out all of this uh all of this delicious microbrewery uh beers that we do right here in colorado um so check them out breckenridge brewery you guys know them they're a big part and then if you come down to the DNBR bar and you're wondering what to drink we have eight breckenridge breweries on tap we always do um so you want to check those out also want to tell you about draft kings The holiday season may be over. The sports calendar is in full swing from collegiate to professional sports. There's no shortage of action and there's no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. If you haven't tried, DraftKings Sportsbook. What are you waiting for to celebrate this year's football playoffs? DraftKings is giving all new players the chance to bet on this weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. I'm telling you, these are free money. Sign up. Sign your girlfriend up. Sign your mom up. Use the promo code DNVR. Sign everybody you know up and get take advantage of these 100 to 1 odds because those odds, I'm telling you, I, I don't want to say you can't lose. But you almost can't lose at 100-to-1 odds. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get 100-to-1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's promo code DNVR for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend. Limited time only. DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Almost perfect timing on that read of my favorite part, the weepy guitar part, right there at the end. Um, Gary Harris is showing more patience off of the dribble. So among the things, like everybody's got to notice the three-point shooting. And of course, that's the most important. They need him to knock down his wide-open threes. And this far this season, he has not been able to. But over the last six, seven quarters, he has started to knock down threes. I think so much of this with him is about confidence, so much about his shot, because his form looks good. You know, for a while there, he had a bit of a hitch in his shot. It looks like, and I always put that on his body, not being 100%. He's getting good lift. His shot looks smooth. He's balanced. All of those things are good, but he's just always off to start this year. But, you know, seeing having two games where the ball goes through the net, you know, you hope that that is the start of something for him. I think every person in Nuggets Nation is skeptical of Gary Harris and Gun shy about saying, oh, you know, he's back or he's gonna be somewhat reliable. Can he be 35% three-point shooter? That'd be great. 37, oh my gosh, we're cooking with gas. Forty percent. Okay, let's start talking, let's start planning the parade. Um, but you know, I think everybody's a little gun shy to say any of those things because of how bad he's been this season and really over the last couple from three, but you know, looking healthy, his shot looking physically looking as good as it has those things give me a little bit of hope and then you know just the, the whole confidence thing if he can string together a couple more of these games I do feel like you you start to throw out as with so many things with the Denver Nuggets this season if you can just get a little bit of momentum you can throw out that ugly start and just say ah you know that was the uh variable that was that was the thing that was um you know not to be trusted the Nuggets are back to being who we thought they were but he's showing that patience off the dribble which is not a you know, it's not like sort of a random thing. The The fact that he's he, – there was a couple plays in this one where, if you, if you don't know, Gary Harris is so much go, better going right – He's just a right-handed player. He's better at jumping off his left leg. He's better at palming the ball in his right hand. Like Everything about going right is better for him than going left. He gets almost no explosion going left. And there was a couple plays where he would get a DHO or a pick-and-roll with Jokic going left, stop, kind of back himself out, and then turn back to his right and and, um, flip the screen and then use it again and then score off of the right. And those are things with Gary that... To me, those are as encouraging as the shot because so often with Gary, he would speed himself up, which would result in floaters or no hope layups. You know, we remember some of the layups this season where he didn't even hit the rim and hit the backboard or whatever. Those are him getting sped up and not being comfortable with the ball in his hand. Well, the fact that he had some of those plays where he would attack, get himself into a tight spot and then just patiently dribble himself out of it and then re-attack. To me, those are encouraging because he has, he's had a couple of them over the last two games. The second unit, obviously a huge story here. They were just in attack mode um, right from the get-go. And it was fun to watch because they were getting stops in transition and then – or or getting stops on the defensive end and then turning those into transition baskets. And I looked at the – you know, I looked on NBA.com. Not many of these were counted as transition, but they were. They were secondary transition, meaning they might have taken 10 seconds to score. But they were – the advantage was created early in transition off of those stops. And this is, if you, you know, coming into the season, when we talked about what makes that lineup, the secondary lineup, if you're going to play three point guards and then Jamichael Green and Isaiah Hartenstein. What makes that lineup work? The number one thing you would say is it's three point guards. That's three high IQ, ball-handling, pick-and-roll players, and three people can bring it up the court. Well, I put examples up on the list of Monte Morris getting the ball on the outlet and bringing the ball up court, Compazzo sprints, Dozier sprints. I put an example of Dozier getting the ball, Monte Morris sprints. So you have three different guys that can take the ball, and whoever gets the ball, the other guys are just running and filling uh, into the corners, and it worked really well. I mean, Isaiah Hartenstein has a lot of positive traits to him. One of those traits is he's a very good rim runner. He puts so much effort on, Uh, into when he's on the court and a lot of that is in getting deep position to post up or he's also very heady about sprinting the court and hunting and this is a skill for bigs by the way hunting that drag screen now some of this is orchestrated. Denver will run double drag screens. You know they'll like they'll have it either called out or they'll just kind of know we're always looking to do this in transition. But sometimes, and there was one example, and this is, is up on the list. There was one example of Hartenstein just hunting. Like he sprints the court, realizes he's not going to get a deep post up, like a transition post up or, or fast break or anything. So he stops about the free throw line and then becomes a head hunter for the ball handler to set that high screen and then exit early. And he does such a good job of that. So having three ball handlers and having a guy like Hartenstein that really helps, and then of course Jermichael Green fits so seamlessly there because if you have one guy that's sprinting the court and dragging everybody into the paint on you know delay screens and pick and rolls, then you have another guy that's stretching the court through that um, trail trailing uh, above the break shooter. And Jermichael Green so far this season, that's where he's been most deadly is right there from above the break. So it, those pieces when when it's working the the synergy between the three guards is working uh, the synergy is really really nice the defensive end also there was a couple possessions in that game I, I think Michael Malone has to be glowing from the defensive effort that he saw from the Nuggets in this game and that was another thing that didn't that didn't stick out to me necessarily watching live but when I went back and and, and rewatched both the first unit and the second unit and a lot of the key role players I mean Will Barton uh, you know obviously uh Michael Green Monte Morris Facundo Campazzo who we're going to talk about in a second defense and credit, you have so many guys that are just so locked in on that end of the court and it's shined. You could tell Denver had a sense of urgency in this game to get back to 500. And um, that second unit is a unit that I think can really in short order get to be one of those units that is always sort of dialed in. So really like what I saw from that group. And Jamal Murray, I also have a note in here, his defensive effort has been very noticeable. Um, He hasn't been great offensively, and he hasn't been very aggressive offensively. But he, especially on rewatch, he's doing a lot of, he's almost playing like a role player right now, which is to say he's not being overly aggressive, um, but he is just doing all the right things. And he seems to not, it's so funny with Murray because as much as there are moments when Denver is going to need him to be more than what he has been he is to his credit seems seems content to do all the dirty work and all the hard stuff right now and play as if he were a role player and that's great you don't want a guy that's just taking time off but you know james harden sometimes he doesn't disappear often but sometimes james harden just kind of stands there and it's like okay well i'm not I'm a star, so I'm going to save energy. Murray's not saving energy. He's using it, just not using it on star stuff. And, you know, maybe there's something to that. Maybe he just doesn't have his legs, and this is his way to kind of get to the point where he will have his legs. But um, I actually tip my hat to him for it. Um, gamble, Gambling for that sneak-up steal on Nikola Jokic is absolute death, and I think it's funny every time teams do this. It's the ultimate Hail Mary because one out of every 10, 15 times – a guard will sneak up on Jokic at the elbows or in the post and poke the ball away. Maybe one out of 10 times, but nine out of 10 times Jokic will see them at the last second or see them early or see them the entire time, but play possum with them, wait for them to come in and then hit whoever is wide open on the backside because his guy just snuck all the way over. So it's the ultimate, like it's the ultimate, um, high risk play. If you're going up against Jokic and it's just one of those things that's funny. There was one of these in that game that, um, uh, really cracked me up. Um, the team, I've I, I mentioned this a little bit in passing, but I want to use the George Carl word, which is connection. The team has had such great connection over these last six quarters, but especially in this game, both units, everybody just playing for each other. And this is noteworthy for a couple of reasons because – one of the stories of the Nuggets right now is that Michael Porter, the big biggest piece, you know, missing piece slash variable piece for the Nuggets isn't there. And he's being replaced by role, most, mostly role players. And the, the downside of that is those aren't guys that can shoot Denver into a game. They're not guys that can elevate the ceiling too high. But they are guys that really fit in to help get the ball popping. And that game last night was one of the better... Just team wins and uh, uh, games where the whole team seem to be on the same wavelength on the same uh, on both ends of the court, and it's noteworthy because they haven't been playing together for that long to have the level of chemistry that they played at uh, in that game. Jokic's quick outlet passes. Um, after made field goals are incredibly valuable these are basically fast breaks off of makes and they're like one man fast breaks jokic just gets it out throws it the length of the court he had a great one at the end of one of the quarters it was maybe that maybe it was the i can't remember if the first quarter or second quarter but the third quarter maybe he had a great one of those but he just has a lot of those and i think one of the things that my a michael porter can really improve on michael green isaiah hartenstein should he ever share the court with jokic is You see the ball go through the net and you see Jokic the deep guy back sprint because even if Jokic throws it to you, but you are not open or, but you are not going to be able to score. It forces everybody else to sprint back. And I should have put this one on the list because it's interesting, but he had a full court pass to Murray who catches it basically on the left wing, all five Knicks guys sprint the end of the court run back and Jokic just kind of jogs back. And it was one of those things where it's like, I just made all of you sprint while we all get to jog. Like, a tiny little advantage but an advantage nonetheless and Jokic is just so good at those Will Barton is still struggling to get that burst to the rim to, to hang in the air um, and I think it's affecting his rim percentage his his finishing at the rim um, I I actually am optimistic I don't I'm not optimistic that Will Barton will be back but he says he will be back and the Nuggets are indicating that he will be back at some point to 100% health that's their expectation giving the state of his injury I'm less optimistic, but should he, should that be true? I actually think Will Barton's going to be really good like he was last year because he's doing a lot of the good things off of cuts and and slashes and drives. He just can't get up and like he's all of his finishes have to be like really tough finishes because he's not getting around guys or over guys or hanging in the air long enough to like finish and um, I think that's a big reason why he's been mostly ineffective offensively so far this year although it, has, it should be mentioned I thought Will Barton was really good last two games good in two different ways one defensively and two with more or less staying it within his role he still is always going to take one or two shots I don't like and I think our audience really doesn't like they bother me maybe a little bit less than most people it's when he takes five, four, five, six of those that really kill you. But when he takes one or two, I don't mind it so much. And I think that he's mostly done that over the last few games where it's like, okay, he's mostly playing within himself. And once those shots at the rim, if they should, if they start falling, I think people will, will kind of lay off his case a little bit. Murray, I mentioned earlier how he's been a little bit weird. He's playing like a role player. He's really hesitating on open jumpers and really just scoring in general, but especially open jumpers. And the numbers back this out. So the first five games of the season, he's averaging 17 field goal attempts per game. Over the last four, that number's down to just 11. So just 11 field goal attempts, not just threes, field goal attempts over the last, that's six fewer. And it's, it's loud. It's noticeable because he has so many scoring opportunities that you're like, Murray, why don't you go there? Or why don't you shoot? And for whatever reason, he just isn't feeling it. Um, Jokic is no getting better at knowing when the team needs to be settled down. Um, you know, this is the heavy is the head that wears the crown kind of thing where, when the team is giving up a run, and I think they were up 21, 22 points, they get it all the way down to 14. And, of course, everybody remembers the Sambor shuffle that I thought was a backbreaker for the, for the in this game. Like The Knicks had made a little run. They played a great defensive possession and got a stop. And Jokic, anyway, shoots a fall away one-legger and just drains it. And it's one of those plays where you're like, okay, we're not winning tonight. But he actually had another one earlier where Denver needed, you know, I think either they called a timeout or it was very clear that this was like, okay, if you don't score here, we're going to have to call a timeout because the Knicks are on a run. And Jokic just cleared everyone out, gets the ball in the post and goes for a bucket and gets it. And it's just one of those things where it's like, people ask, how can players get better? Like, are their numbers going to improve? And right now, Jokic averaging a triple double, obviously his numbers have improved, but the intangible stuff is what really comes with age from a from a point where Jokic is now to going forward. And that to me, this is one example of it. Is just knowing, hey, does my team need me? Not necessarily statistically, but just emotionally, do they need me to kind of let them know, hey, we're okay. Drain a bucket real quick so that everybody knows that they have the uh, the alpha on the court, right? Like hey, sometimes you get in a game and it's like, well, who's the best player? It's gonna come down to the best player. He's really good at reminding, like, hey. I'm the best player. Julius Randle, he's pretty good. You know, there's some guys in the court that are okay, but I got this whatever I want. And he had this and that in this game. Um, and, and he's really had it, I think, all season. Um, They also ran an ATO. So another moment, there's a couple moments where the Knicks made runs in that third quarter and Denver kept responding to him. Two of them were Jokic, but one of them that I thought was so interesting, they ran this out of a timeout and I don't know how much of this is scripted and how much of this was just Jokic improvising like where the ball was going to go, but if you go back and watch it, I highly recommend you can if you look online and you look at the um, um, like Jokic's plays, like all of his assists and everything, you'll see you'll notice this one. It's in the third quarter. They call an ATO. He brings the ball up the court. They, they run a little action that gets him ultimately um, cutting towards the basket on the right side and he drives and kicks it right to a wide open Gary Harris almost as if he knew exactly where the rotations were going to come and Gary Harris catches it wide open on the corner and drains it and again it was a big shot it wasn't a it wasn't a massive like if they don't make this they're going to lose shot but it was one of those where if you miss it Okay, the Knicks might be able to cut this now down to 12 points, and you're just getting closer and closer. If you make it, it goes up to 17 points, and it's like, oh my God, now it's out of reach. So it was a little inflection point. And I felt like, and Jokic has referenced this before, you can kill, you can win two small victories in these moments. One, you can get the score to go up. And two, when you have a role player, especially one that's been struggling, who makes the play that helps boost the team, it's like extra confident. It almost counts as a double confidence booster. And Jokic, you see him, he throws it to Gary. Gary's wide open, drains it, and you see this look on Jokic's face of like perfect, like bingo. That's that like, like Yahtzee. I just got everything I wanted out of that possession. Not only do we go up 17, but now Gary's going. And it's one of those things, man, I'm telling you, maybe I'm reading into it. You be the judge. You can go back and look at it and hit me up on Twitter and tell me, no, I saw it. He Gives this little head nod, like, boom, that's exactly what I wanted. So it, it was kind of a cool little moment. Um, Denver's de- defensive connectedness. I talk about this, but it's just been really good. Rotations, everybody kind of being on a string. Um, really just night and day from what they had been the last couple games. Um, let's see. Uh, the ball was popping. Jermichael Green, I mentioned him shooting 51% from three. Green, so I talked about Jermichael Green and Jokic's two man duo. But Jermichael Green and Isaiah Hartenstein in 28 minutes actually have an even better net rating, 41.8 net rating. So here's what I love about Jermichael Green. He's sort of, early in the season already, been sort of the glue that tied both the bench together and a great fit along Jokic. And if you think back to Jeremy Grant last year, Jeremy Grant in the playoffs, that's when his value really started to take off, and in some... Regards also in the month of January when Denver was missing so many guys, like he filled in and fit, and his numbers alongside Jokic and Michael Porter in the front court were fantastic. But early on, Jeremy Grant's numbers, they were actually really bad, and he didn't necessarily look bad, but you'd look at the net ratings, you'd be like, man, Grant and Jokic don't really, statistically, they're getting murdered. Well, it's the opposite with Michael Green so far, and I think he's less versatile. We've talked about all those things, and maybe in the playoffs that'll come back to bite him, but at least early on, he's worked with Hartenstein, he's worked with Jokic, and I think that's a really encouraging thing. The whole second unit, just as a whole, is starting to look more and more like a unit. The one thing is Isaiah Hartenstein and his foulings. They're not they're they're not encouraging, but I think there's two types of fouls he gets into, um, and I think they're correctable correctable. But they're both sort of they're they're mental in a way of like you have to accept what is happening and stay aggressive while reducing an aspect of your game. And one of those is he tries to play hero a little too much on like block shots and rotations. And he just bumps guys sometimes because it's almost like he's like juiced up on coffee or something. And he like rotates a little too hard and bumps the guy. But those ones are not actually where he's getting most of his fouls. Most of his fouls are coming off of illegal screens. And he's a very good screener. And this is one of the reasons it's so hard to be a good screener in the NBA is you if you make too good of contact, but you know, like too fast or this or that, you're not set. You put the referees in a, in a tough position. And I think Hartenstein has gotten a tough whistle. Even in this game, some of them were like, man, that's kind of, you know, 50, 50 calls. And he just gets 0% of those, but he can really help himself out by really focusing in on his screens, being there early getting set and just gaining better chemistry with his guards about, Hey man, don't go early. If you're a guard, I want to make contact on the guy, so don't you don't have to like, you know every every big that sets a pick and roll screen does it differently. Jokic almost never makes contact. Um, Plumlee would make contact a lot, but not at all like Hartenstein does, and I think the guards sort of have to adjust a little bit to. Um, okay, he's a guy that really likes to get right up into the defender, so I have to make sure I don't go early so that he's going to get the foul call because I went too early. So that's a thing that I think he has to work out with his guards. Nonetheless, it ultimately falls on him to not get called for those, but right now he's getting called on a high number of them. And the moment he can stop being called on them, I think the moment Denver will, will be able to take a little bit, even more of a leap with that second unit msu denver online guys now is the time to apply and register for classes because spring semester begins next wednesday the 19th january 19th so you got about one week time and time again the one thing that protects you against economic downturn is an education that allows you to adapt into varying careers be adaptable that's the key to life in the 21st century especially in 2021 you got to Think on your feet. You gotta have all of the tools, uh, as many tools as possible in your toolbox. MSU Denver helps you out. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members have taken up courses and can to attest to it. Ali Monroy, Harrison Wynn, they audited courses so they get a sense of what what that MSU Denver online is. You get lectures from teachers, you get interactive one on one with teachers, you get a whole bunch of different stuff, and your professors can even include Dr. Travis Heath, friend of the show. So you want to check out MSU Denver online. Also, want to let you guys know we have re upped with the Colorado Rugby Uh, you rugby town USA Glendale Colorado is now rugby town USA we've got infinity park which I believe is the largest rugby stadium uh, west of the Mississippi Um, is recently designated rugby town national training center so you don't know this Colorado is a rugby capital of the U.S. Uh, It's home to the USA Eagles men's and women's rugby 15 teams. The trainer training center is experimenting with new concept training crossover athletes to be rugby players. This is what's cool. Like rugby's not big in the U S but there's a lot of athletes that I think, you know, like if you're just like a fringe, a uh, XFL, AAF player or something, you know, something like that, you can convert into being a rugby player and those like athletic traits really transfer. Well, guys like, uh, Gellen robinson i think some of the our aussie guys have talked about this guy big dog robinson i think everybody that's a, a glenn robinson is big dog uh, he's uh oh he is the son. i'm reading this this here he's the son of glenn big dog robinson so there you go gallon robinson son of big dog uh big dog robinson gerald mcdowell former defensive lineman at old miss and the calgary stampeders of the cfl so you got all of these guys that are now converting into be rugby players. Let's see how they do. Colton Strickler, he's the, our guy, and he has you covered uh, for everything. Weekly DNVR Rugby Podcast. You can go and check that out. Let us know what you think about it. And then, of course, written content, including Rugby 101-type stuff. Uh, Colton explaining the game. Uh, you're going to want to check all that out when you become a DNVR member. So check it out. All right, final segment here in the DNVR Nuggets Podcast. Want to look at some of the numbers here. And a lot of these numbers, most of them, are going to be coming from cleaningtheglass.com, which I think is a fantastic website to subscribe to if you're really into the numbers of basketball. Really, that's the number one reason. I actually don't read their articles or anything like that too often, but they do have some great – the guy who created it used to work in the front office for the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, among a few other places, and he's just a really good, like, advanced stats guy. So he keeps a great sort of ledger of stats. So you can subscribe there, or you can just kind of wait for me to update because I tweet these out somewhat regularly. And I put this one on the Twitter timeline the other day. For those of you that are not on Twitter, which is most people actually, um, the starters with Will Barton in the lineup – so once Michael Porter went down and just any lineup that featured Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, they are the best five-man offense in the NBA. Offense. Offense. A 133.6 offensive rating, which if you don't know, that means 133.6 points scored per 100 possessions. Most games have, you know, slightly fewer than 100 possessions. So you're looking at, that would mean Denver with that group, if they played all 48 minutes, you would expect them to score like 124 points or so, which is a ton. So that group is just scoring at an insanely high clip. They are 100th percentile in free throw rate. That's right, in free throw rate, that lineup keeps getting to the line, in part because they do such a good job of drawing fouls, not just shooting fouls, but getting teams into the bonus. They have played in the bonus a lot this season. They're in the 100th percentile for half-court offense. I just love this. This is such a Jokic stat. Jokic is the half-court guru. He makes half-court offense great. Denver hasn't had a, like a high-volume transition t- game since the Malone era or the Jokic era, and I think there's a lot of different reasons for that. It, Denver is the counter to every single like offensive uh, expectation. They don't—you're supposed to run teams that play fast. Generally, are more efficient. Well, Denver plays pretty slow. They don't run too often, but they're one of the most efficient. Um, you know, Denver is supposed to play through guards. Denver plays through their center. You're not supposed to post up. Denver posts up a lot. They do a lot of things that are sort of against the grain, and yet they are the one team, because of Jokic and how different he is, they are the one team that's sort of able to get away with it. They have a plus 18.9 net rating, which I believe is good for, you know, that, that that's a really, really good net rating. I can't remember what it was. It was one of the top, you know, top 10 percentile, I believe. Defensively, so as good as they are offensively, defensively they're in the 32nd percentile, so they're pretty low there. But it all averages out to them being a pretty, pretty darn good offensive unit, and I think their defense is coming along. If you look at the starters with Michael Porter, now this has been a couple weeks now, and it was only it was a very small sample size. They were a minus seven point seven net rating, so they were a negative. So you go from plus 19 to minus eight basically um, when you switch there. And again, the small sample size, guys. Like a lot of this stuff is really unfair to compare, but it, it does at least go to show you, like, okay, the five-man unit that has been together now for four seasons. Immediate chemistry the five-man unit with michael porter in there like the opposite of immediate chemistry and talk about percentile So the starting lineup with barton a hundredth percentile for offense starters with mpj Zero percentile for defense for defensive rating. They're allowing 125.7 Defensive rating now again part of this is that most lineups that play enough minutes to qualify if you played one game and you get blown out, your defensive rating is really bad. Denver played four, got you know hammered in a couple of those, and then had some tight ones where they gave up a lot of points. So that you know, as the first game Michael Porter's back, I suspect that number will begin to drop. Um, but at least right now, that uh, you know that number is not looking so gir- so great. They do have a 118 offensive rating, which is really good. Not quite as good as the other side, but still really, really good. And they were last in free throw rate and effective field goal percentage defensively, meaning they were giving up. Teams were just shooting really well, maybe a little um, lucky that they were hitting so many shots against Denver, and then also Denver just fouling so much. And I think that is another thing that you notice with when MPJ was in there. The bench unit that played this last game, that is Monte Morris, Facundo Campazzo, PJ Dozier, those three guards, and then Jermichael Green, Isaiah Hartenstein, they have a plus 43.4 net rating, which is insane, albeit only on 34 minutes, way too small of a sample size to read too much into, most of that coming in the last game when they just smacked the heck out of the Knicks. So, um, but it's nice to know that that, has, that that unit really has looked good in every game, That you know, when you look collectively at their 34 minutes, not just last game. Um, the Nuggets, as a team, the second most frequent cutting team, meaning nine percent, roughly nine percent of their offense comes off of cuts. Now, and the, only one team, I think it was the Bucks, get more out of cuts from that. Now, why is this important? Denver has, for the last few years, been one of the top like ten teams, and in their better offensive seasons, you know, when Gallo and Free, they they were top five. The number one team for most of this last. Half decade, decade has been the Golden State Warriors. The the Curry era Warriors were so good at getting points off of cuts. You think about the spacing, the shooting, this or that. What they were really good at was getting the ball popping. I think that there is a direct correlation between your how frequently you know what percentage of your offense comes off of cuts and how well you get the ball moving. Because it's hard to beat a team off of a cut when there's no ball movement. Sometimes guys fall asleep. You get a backdoor lob, whatever it is. You get that. But more often than not, what you get when you get cuts are when the ball's moving and defenses are forced to make multiple rotations and there's a breakdown. You get the cut, you get the bucket at the rim. So, Denver right now, second most, and that tells you that the ball has been popping and that they have been able to score off of this ball movement. I think it's no surprise that Jokic is averaging right now double digit assists in large part because when you get the ball moving and you open up the painted area, you allow for a lot of those backdoor cuts. And, Jokic, nobody better in the NBA at finding guys there. Um, So it's a good indicator of a healthy offense. If we go into now some of the individual things, Michael Porter Jr., he is in the 100th percentile for effective field goal percentage. That's right, 100th percentile. This dude, I'm telling you, man, like there's so much dissonance between some of the positive numbers on here and some of the negative ones because the positive ones are just like so overwhelmingly positive. Once Denver, I mean, and if Denver is able to work him in, Man, their offense can go to just such an insanely high level. It's, it's enough to just make you so excited for for the potential of it, way more than perhaps nervous for you know <laughs> whether or not they'll ever get there. Hundredth percentile for two point field goal percentage, including long twos. He's very good mid range uh, mid range jump shooter. He's really he's just a good shooter from everywhere in the court. There's no distance. Yep, Michael Porter Jr. is not a good shooter or scorer from. He's, I mean, he's such a talented offensive player. Jamichael Green, 100th percentile for no, non-corner threes, 55%. So almost all – he's shooting 51% on the year uh, from three. He's shooting 55% from non-corner. So from the corner, he's. I, th- I think he's actually one of four. These are all small numbers, of course, 10 games into the season. But I think he's one of four from the corners and then 55% everywhere else. Just a scorching hot shooter from above the break right now where he's getting all almost all of his looks. And the 98th percentile, as I mentioned, overall – Nikola Jokic, 100. this is what's going to blow your mind. And I have a little bit of a hot take to it. The 100th percentile on non-shooting fouls. Drawing non-shooting fouls, meaning drawing fouls that are not shooting fouls. Now, I think that he's the 38th percentile on shooting fouls. So a lot of people say, you know, Jokic never gets free throw. Look at this. He's a star. He had 25 points. He didn't get any free throws. Jokic has always been one of the best players in the NBA at drawing fouls. He just doesn't draw them in the shooting motion. And I brought up Millsap earlier in how he's not getting the calls. And I said it, I think, in large parts because he's not quick enough anymore. And whether or not he's getting fouled, same with Jokic, Referees just tend to call the athletic players a little bit more because it's just easier. Like it's so much more noticeable. When a guy's going full speed and you bump them, like that that bump knocks them, you know, the the balance or the like the contact is so much louder. When a player's going slow and you're leaning on them or hand on them or this or that, you know, they're inherently more balanced to this or that. And even though it affects the shot, it doesn't affect the body in the same way. And I think that's one of the main reasons Jokic doesn't draw shooting fouls. But here's my hot take. I think that Jokic does not get nearly enough calls when he's in the act of shooting. But I think he gets too many calls when he's not in the act of shooting. Jokic is an elite, I don't want to say flopper, embellisher of contact when it doesn't really matter. Now, are these fouls? Yes, but I think Jokic in part, and this isn't even like, look, it works for him. This isn't a complaint. But I think Jokic uses up some of his good grace with the officials because he gets calls that are like, hey, this guy has his hand on me. I don't have the ball, but he's got his hand on me and I'm gonna accentuate it. And like, oh yeah, the ref says, oh yeah, dude, get your hand off him. And so he uses up a lot of those good graces there and then doesn't get them on the other end. So 100th percentile leading the NBA right now in foul draws, not shooting fouls. Kind of an interesting stat. And I think the same was true by the way last year or if it wasn't a hundredth percentile, it was ninety and above. So this is a thing with Jokic. Nuggets are 19.9 points better when he's on the court than uh, per 100 possessions when he's on the court than when he's off. That's one of the the 96th percentile, so one of the best marks. No surprise, he's an MVP candidate. The bench has not been good, and Jokic is just good, no matter who he's on the court with. I think the nearest, next nearest one is Murray at like 12, so he's significantly higher than everybody else on the list in terms of on-off. And then P.J. Dozier, the team has had sneaky good rebound rates when he's been on the court. I think that's something interesting. Same goes for defensive defensively. Teams have not shot the ball very well when he was on the court. I don't think you can again. Anytime you look at team numbers for when an individual on off, you know there there's going to be a lot of variance in there. But I do think there's something, too. P.J. Dozier is like a, a Swiss Army knife defensively, and he he just makes such a big impact on so many different things, including rebounding, but also just including on rotations and forcing teams into slightly more difficult shots. So whatever issues or, or complaints you can have about him and sometimes his ability to fit in offensively or maybe stand out too much uh, defensively, the, the numbers really bear out that he's had an impact so far this season. So that's it. I hope you find that stuff interesting. It's just kind of a cool little statistical look at the Nuggets now 10 games in um and some of those numbers are really wild and, and kind of cool to see but the nuggets offense just off the charts Jokic in his bag and a lot of good signs and by the way those offensive numbers not necessarily shooting the ball that great <laughs> like from 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 different spots around the three i mean Jamichael green has been Um, uh, but monte morris not shooting the ball that well Jam- jamal murray he's been like 38 and a half percent which is above his career average but i think we all think he can shoot better gary harris until recently not shooting the ball well at all um will barton not finishing at the rim not necessarily shooting well so there's actually in my opinion a lot of room for growth for denver offensively but the real growth is going to be in those defensive numbers and whether they can sort of continue to climb that inch by inch uh so that they can be an above average defense here hopefully by the end of january i think that'd be a great challenge for them thanks so much for tuning in everybody gonna be back tomorrow hopefully the winner's lounge but either way the whole dnvr crew breaking down the game for you tomorrow you don't want to miss it we'll see you all then I want to tell you about one of my favorite sponsors here at DNVR, green mountain dental group the best fam de- best damn family-owned dentist office in all of the denver metro area only 15 minutes from downtown and you guys know them the family-owned local colorado sports fans just like you and also just good people they're gonna get to know you they're gonna send you cards on your birthday they're gonna send them holiday's They're going to be checking in, making sure that you are getting all of the care that you need if you have an issue. You ever have like a toothache or something, like an emergency, you want to know that you're going to somebody that knows your file. They know you personally. They know you by name. That's Green Mountain Dental Group. And right now you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. You receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tweet at us when you go there. Let us know that you're supporting local, supporting a local family-owned business. Green Mountain Dental Group.
0: Dear sports fans, elevate your game to the next level with a Toyota truck. Drive the crowd favorite Tacoma. This versatile playmaker is ready to own the weekend. Choose the tailgating MVP, the Toyota Tundra. This is one vehicle that comes up clutch. Or ride in the adventurous 4Runner, a true champion on and off the road. Whichever truck you choose, you're getting a real winner. Come join the team of champions, Toyota Trucks. Visit Toyota.com to learn more or check out your local Toyota dealership today. Toyota, let's go places.